Hello everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and this is episode 5. Today's episode, I will be interviewing Cameron Dietz. He is the assistant strength conditioning coach at Utah Valley University. We dive into all things training, how he got started, uh, what it takes to be a strength coach, uh, cover a lot about baseball and softball, and uh, just the tricks of the trade and how to get better as a coach and as a player. Okay, hope you enjoy. What's up, Coach? Yo, how you doing, man? Hello? Sorry about that. You yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Trying to get this uh, technology. <laughs> I can figure out Tendo units and catapult systems, but I can't do what do you, you have a like a regular like the the iPod headphones? Uh, no, I'm I'm plugging in some Beats right now. Some headphones. Oh, okay. Right. Um, maybe they work. <laughs> all right, there it is. Yep, I got it. Can you uh, hear me? All right. Yeah, I can hear you. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, so Cameron, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Where you're from? All that jazz. So I am the um, assistant strength and conditioning coach out here at Utah Valley University. Um, I am from Colorado. I grew up um, playing baseball, went to uh, a D2 school to play baseball. And uh, after that, ended up interning at, um, after graduation, interned at the University of Delaware, Um, got a graduate assistant position at the University of Northern Colorado, um, after that, uh, interned at University of North Texas, and then I got the job here, so. Cool. Wow. Did you, uh, so have you been working with, like, mostly baseball athletes the entire time? Um, so, let's see, at, um, at Delaware, it was a summer internship, so the summer sports, the teams that are at least in during off-season summer sport conditioning stuff is, uh, football, volleyball, men's and women's basketball. Okay. Um, so I worked with those four big, you know, the, the three big court sports and then football at Delaware and North Texas, because both of those were summer internships. Um, and then at Northern Colorado worked with all 19 varsity sports minus, um, oh, cross wow. country, oh, okay. minus, minus cross country. So. so how many hours a day were you working when you were doing all 19? Yeah. So when I was, uh, <clears throat> when I was an intern, I was working, or I'm sorry, when I was a graduate assistant, I was working, I was, I'd get in at about 4.30 or 5 a.m., and I'd get home after work and class at about 8 p.m. Did you have breaks in between for eating or anything? Uh, yeah. Training? Yeah, so, like, if I had to go through the schedule, I, I would say, like, baseball would – so, baseball would come in at, like, 5.30. So, I always got there, like, four between 4.30 and 5 just to help set up the weight room. Um, so we'd set up the weight room. So baseball would be like five fifteen, five thirty until about six, six fifteen. Um, and then at gosh, this is almost a year ago now. Uh, so at six we would have um, <clears throat> at six we would have like the softballs come in or the golf teams come in, depending. So like Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, at seven o'clock, like the tennises and stuff would come in like that. Um, we'd get a chance to eat breakfast. 
for about 30 minutes. And then we'd have football from 8.30 to 10.30. And then we would have uh, women's basketball at 10.30, um, maybe about an hour and a half. Um, so about 12.30 to 2, we'd have about an hour and a half to lift slash eat. You know, like you got you to gotta right. get it in, you can get it in. <laughs> and uh, so then we'd lift uh, men's basketball from 2 to 3, and then track and field like 3 to 5. And then most of my classes were in the afternoon or, or at night like that. So like five to eight range. And then um, how was it training the different sports like mentality wise? And obviously they need different types of strengths and different types of conditions. Like, how was that training? Especially if you're going hour to hour and you do you have to like kind of flip your mindset like, OK, these are the type of athletes I'm going to see. Or was there a lot of similarities? Like, tell me about that. I think the biggest difference is um, – were in the programming styles of the assistant coaches. So, ah, okay. um, so we had director of sports performance, which he oversaw football, softball, and men's golf. Mm-hmm. We had director of Olympic sports, and he oversaw baseball, uh, men's basketball, volleyball, and swim and dive. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, assistant strength coach. She oversaw women's basketball, um, Oh my gosh. Uh, she oversaw women's basketball, women's golf. Um, she had the tennises until I got there. Um, there was a, a track and field, like cross country did their own strength finishing. So that's why I never really worked with them. Okay. Um, and then the other GA had track and field and I had both tennises. And then um, so, like with the earlier groups, would you just be like helping them, like basically like put on, I don't know, like if you're using chains or bands, like you'd be the person put on chains and bands and then the coach would just be screaming like the directions or like would, would they actually let you like be cueing athletes and stuff like that? Like how does it? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, so when I first got there, I'd say probably the first, uh, the first week was take as many notes as you can, mm-hmm. um, you know, be prepared to answer questions, but also ask a lot of questions. Right. Um, you know, I mean, when you're as a GA, they paid for my master's degree and then I was also getting a stipend. So I was oh, a paid, okay. I was a paid coach, um, but just not at that like full-time level. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I had, I took over tennis, I think after my, I want to say after my first year, mm-hmm. um, but like in, in your that, master's. Yes. Yeah. 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 So my first year of getting my master's was, assisting with everything. And when I was assisting, like I said, maybe the first week it was getting to know the players, getting to know the program, knowing how they liked to teach Olympic lifts or knowing what the, that particular coach wanted to see with a squad or maybe the way that they cue, you know, uh, an overhead press or, you know, whatever the case is Mm -hmm. learning that stuff on, you know, as we go early on. And then after the first year going into the second year, I had the tennis teams, so I got to program for them and I continued to assist with these other teams. But the more that I was, the longer I was there, the more responsibilities I would get. So by the end, you know, by the end of my first year, the director of Olympic sports and I, we would sit down and we would go over like baseball and it's like, Hey, this is what I was thinking for the position players as well. I was thinking for the pitchers. What do you think? And then it was, you know, this, this really great dialogue going back and forth, bouncing ideas off each other, you know, not only like what you've seen as a coach, what I've experienced, player right so the 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 longer I was there in that two-year span the more responsibility I had um but I I I would I would help guys put I would help guys and girls put on weights and whatever Mm -hmm. 
I'd still be watching, still be coaching, still be queuing. Right, right, right. Um, that, that in, just try that balance. So you like, I'm trying to absorb as much as you can, but like, then you're still, you know, helping them. You got to like pay your dues, right? That's basically. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but as the GA, I was, I was able to coach. Um, so I wasn't the biggest thing, I guess what I would say is I wasn't doing their programming. So the only team that I was programming for was tennis, you said tennis, both tennis teams, yeah, 100%. Those two were mine. Okay. Um, and then, like, so why, my, why was that? Um, so, the way, because they've got three full-timers. Each, mm-hmm. each full-timer got three to four sports. Right. Um, I think a lot of sport coaches, they feel a little bit uh, jaded when they don't get, like, a full-time coach, right? Right. So, it's like, well, how come I get a GA? Like, how, how come the GAs are – you know, going to kind of do our strength conditioning. Like, is it because we, you know, we're not a, like a high revenue sport or, you know, is it cause you don't like us or whatever the case is. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's just the way it breaks down. Right. So like our boss oversaw everything about football mm-hmm. and because of the time of year for football, the other time, the other sport that worked really well with the schedule was softball. So those were his right. two sports. And because golf is two times a week, every week, all year long and they play in the fall and they play in the spring and you know the it's a consistent two times a week it's not a hey we're gonna go really heavy or really hard in this time of year and we're gonna take it a little easier in season or whatever because it's, it's just super consistent well that seems easy to throw in with the director it also right. helped that they won at least two if not three uh big sky championships in a row so it was right. also one of our most successful programs mm. So, you know, they got the director, right? You know, oh, the director, that's the, they want the title, right? Right, But, you know, at the same time, I think, I think the way that I, I was able to sell it as a GA was, listen, I may be a graduate assistant, but when I have both tennis teams, that's a total of 14 players, uh, 14 to 16 people from men's and women's. Mm -hmm. You have one coach focusing on just those people. Like that is my primary focus is you. You put in all your energy and you, and you look at it like you have something to prove like, okay, this is my first chance to do it. So like, I'm going to, there's no skimming over program. There's no generalization. Like I'm really trying to give all my energy. Whereas the director, he's still going to be focusing on football and what was it? Golf or whatever. What are those first two before it even gets to you anyway? You right. Know. Right. And so. so I think, you know, and I think over time it was, it was, you know, you earn that, like that respect, not only with the players, but you earn that from the coaches where it's like, yeah, they do look great. Like, yeah, they, they look great on the court. Like they're moving really fast. They're bouncing around. They look light on their feet. You know, whatever the case is, we have less, we have less, um, you know, chronic kind of tennis elbow. Um, you know, we have all these, you know, all these things we're doing better, right? We look better. We feel better. They, they're playing better, whatever the case is. Mm. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I, I, I do like this, this one-on-one attention more <laughs> than maybe if you were like, I was, you know, if, if tennis was the fourth or fifth sport for one of, of the, the day, yeah, of the day right. too, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. So, um, so it was, but it was a good experience and, you know, so I got to, got to program for them for a year, um, and I, I mean, it was awesome. I got to, I, you know, I always experiment with myself on, you know, kind of, you know, if I like something, if I see something, if, you know, my, I'm a, I'm a triphasic guy. So, you know, I'll, I'll okay, go through yeah. the, I'll go through the triphasic process, you know, and I'll make small adjustments here and there based on how uh, things I like, things I don't like, you know, what I think works better for this sport versus that sport, you know, little, little changes, but you know, I'll always try it on myself and then being able to do it with them, 
was great because when I got here, I put, uh, I put baseball and softball through triphasic in the fall semester and it was awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, so how did you get started in the strength conditioning field from the aspect you were playing D2 baseball? Like what made you decide, like, I'm not going to try to like go pro in baseball. I'm just going to start focusing. Was it already during your bachelor's? Like you were already getting, like, I don't know what your degree was from your bachelor's, but if it was in a degree that had to do with strength conditioning or exercise science, were you like, I'm already going to, I already know I'm going to be done after these four years playing. I'm not even going to focus on that. Or did you like have a bad injury and you're like, you know, let me give this a chance. And then you just fell in love with it. How did that work? Yeah. So I, so, uh, going, leaving high school, um, I mean, it's every kid's dream to play, you know, insert sport here professionally. I, it's right. a lot of kids, right? Not every, but it's a lot of kids, right? Well, for me kids, too. I mean, I played D2, uh, basketball, so right. like, I'm kind of like in the transition of just switching over to just being a full-time coach. Cause I've been doing it for a while, but I know like for everybody's like, I didn't get put out by injury. It was like this coronavirus, And I'm like, you know, let me try to like focus on it more and more. And I'm like, this to me is bringing me a whole nother joy, you know? So like, I don't know if right. that was like the same thing for you. Right. So for me, I knew, so I, I wanted to play professionally, but I knew really early on that I just, I didn't have the stuff. Like I would, right. you know, I got the chance to go and play in college and it was great. Um, but I just knew that I wasn't going to play professional baseball. I think, you know, there's certain things that you got to be able to do at certain, you know, ages. Right. And I just didn't, I eventually got to, to the point where maybe I could have played, but, uh, it would, you know, I, I would have been stuck on a bus playing in the minor leagues for right, right, you know, right. ever, right? So it's, you know, I was, I was never going to be a Bryce Harper or a Garrett Cole. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to be a guy that you go and you're going to end up spending so much time on the road. Yeah, you could be like getting better at something else that you love too. Exactly, that keeps exactly. you around it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to stay around it. So, um, so long for a long time, I thought, okay, I'm going to do sports journalism, right? You get to be in the clubhouse and interview guys. And you know, that, that would be so cool. You get to be on the road and go all the games and I don't know, whatever. So I thought, man, that's it. And then I looked up how much they make. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, yeah. Unless if you and skip like, and, and Stephen A. Smith, like, right. They paid their dues, but now yeah, they, they paid their dues. But it's going to take it. a long time. I know. Right. And you gotta, you gotta, you know, it's, it's not luck what you, too. it's luck. Yes. Too, though, you know? Yeah. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. there's so much to it. So, so I, when I got to undergrad, I was, I was undecided. And then I took a, uh, I took an introduction to weights class. Um, it was, it was just a, it was supposed to be just a super simple, um, two credit hours. So it was like a Tuesday, Thursday morning. Um, That's class. Dope. I wish they had that at my school. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I took it with, uh, so I took it with a guy. He's a, he's a, uh, powerlifting strength coach, um, mm -hmm. down in Colorado Springs. Mm. And, uh, so he owns his own powerlifting gym now, but at the time he was doing like, he was doing some personal <clears throat> training on the side and he was like a, um, he was a grad student that was like a, I guess like a TA. Right. right. So they were paying him like a stipend to teach a certain mm -hmm. amount of credit hours. And this was one of the classes he had. Mm. And, you know, when I was in school, we didn't have a great, because it was D2, it was kind of lower funded. So we didn't have like a, like a legitimate strength conditioning Let program. Let me tell you, same thing. You have a tape. Right. Is that, was, was that your situation? Uh, so we had, we had a graduate assistant that, that like flowed in and out every year. Mm -hmm. And it was like always like the rec center kind of stuff. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it was more like, Hey, do, do what you got to do on your own kind of thing. And right. so, so for me, I was like, Hey, like the, you know, I want to, I want to do you know, I want to be, I want to be the best that I can. Like I'm here to play baseball. I want to be the best I can. You know, what do you think about this? Like, and I started asking him questions and he was super knowledgeable and he taught me a lot. And I really enjoyed being in the weight room with him and the way that he communicated and cued and coached and, and, you know, got to know me and, and stuff like that. 
And I, I had, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm like the smartest dude in the world, but like, I'm not stupid either. Right. So I, I picked it up really easily. Like I understood, you know, I understood the eccentric, isometric, concentric phases. I understood, you know, why they work, how they work. I understood that I memorized the rep schemes and the percentages and why they work, you know, better for hypertrophy and why this works better for strength and power and blah, blah, blah. What, you know, all the anaerobic, aerobic system, all that stuff right. started like sense to me and it stuck with me. And I was like, well, you know, after my freshman year, I was like, you know what? I may not be able to play professional baseball, but I wonder if I could be a strength coach in professional baseball. And so that was kind of my, so I got my, I got my undergrad degree in it was like health sciences with an emphasis in strength and conditioning. Hmm. So super specific. It's like a, it's one of the few schools that's actually yeah, like, I know that's what I've always been looking for. I'm like, oh, I yeah, somewhere yeah. online or something. Cause I'm like, yeah, so, I can't do so, it, it's, man. so it's, so yeah. So it was uh, university of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it's in Colorado Springs where the NSCA is. The NSCA okay. headquarters are also oh, in Colorado wow. Springs. Yeah. So we, so they had classes that were kind of uh, melded together and, um, the curriculum was off of the essentials, the strength conditioning book. And, and so my degree, I mean, I, I, my, um, my academic advisor, uh, she was like, listen, if you get the four-year degree, you pretty much have gone through everything you need to do in order to take the CSCS. So that's oh. kind of how – that's kind of just the exam for the CSCS? Uh, I think you have to have a four-year degree to take the CSCS. It, um, oh, but you can just take it without, like, paying for the study materials. Like, uh, Yeah, I, I'd say the number one study material that you need is the Essentials to Strength Conditioning book. Mm-hmm have that book like i swear every an- every question and answer that was on the test is in that in the every chapter review ah. like it's 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 they they give it to you if, if you've got a decent memory like you don't i mean yeah it's, it's important to learn it but like if you have a decent memory you can you can remember the questions and the answers pretty easily what, what is the focus on the cscs is it more on the the actual training part or is it like a lot of anatomy and you because you know like you take like the nasm exams and all those they like don't teach you how to train somebody. They teach you how to memorize the bones and the muscles. And it's just like, what you pay a thousand dollars for? You know what I mean? Like, right. I the CSCS. Like, right. I think that uh, um, you know, again, I, they're they're moving it towards you have to get a four year degree in health sciences or something like kinesiology or whatever, right. in order to take the CSCS. So that's how the the CSCCA, the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association, mm. like their certification, you have to have a four year degree specifically in something that's health sciences related, whether it's ex-phys, kinesiology, strength and, you know, strength conditioning, sports performance, whatever the case is. Right. Um, And I think the CSCS is actually moving to that either this year or within the next two years. Mm -hmm. So at the time I would say that the book itself does a really good job of covering kind of, it covers anatomy and it covers physiology and then it covers the kind of response to like the, the physiological response to exercise training. Right. Right. And so I think it does, it's, it does a good job, but I would say that, like I said, the biggest thing that miss that's missing to me is you can get your CSCS as long as you have a four year degree and you pass the test, but passing the test doesn't mean that you have any idea how to cue or communicate or, you know, really understand what a movement should even look like, right? It's a right. book. And, and then the test is, the test is an online, you know, multiple choice test, right? So, oh, so you really t- could be a bullshit artist on this. Yeah, absolutely. Like you could I be, thought it was, I could, thought it was one of the ones I was, cause people always make a big deal. Like, 
oh, if you work wow. at a gym or, or this person works at a school or something and they have their CSCS. And I'm like, but sometimes I see these dudes and I'm like, I know people at like Westside that don't even have a cert. And I'm like, I know they're better than this person. Yes. So I'm like, yeah. is, is it? But then you just told me it's not in person either. So I'm like, oh, no. so you really you don't, you know, it's like another one where it's like, okay, you really need to train under somebody like you have or, or just really be doing other Absolutely. types of books being read to act that may teach you more of the yeah. actual queuing and all that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that I'll say, I'll say to my interns and I've heard it as an intern is nothing can replace a good mentor and nothing can replace time under the bar. Right. So right. if, you know, if you're trying to teach Olympic lifting, you're trying to teach a hand clean, right. right. But you can't hang clean for shit. Then you're not going <laughs> to, if, right. if you can't do it yourself, yeah. like you can't demonstrate it and you don't know how it feels to mess up when you, you know, when your bar path is off or when you're not used to shifting your feet or you're not used to getting triple extension or your bar brush is too low or, you know, whatever. Yeah, the case almost is. all those coaches don't, don't make sure the athletes are getting triple extension. I'm like, if you're that, if you're teaching an athlete, yes. that's like the main, they need to be getting, you know, half the time the bar is three feet away from them. Yes. They're just doing muscle cleans. And I'm like, yes, you're not getting anything yeah. out of the movement. It's like an upright row plus for like reverse curl, right? Right, right, right. Like I had I had men's soccer doing it today. Like we had a we had a decent sized group today finally, um, and so you know we're going through cleans and you know there's an incoming freshman we're doing some hand clean stuff and I'm like I'm like do you feel that in your forearms? Like do you feel that in your you know your the top of your forearms? He's like yeah, and I said well it's because you're you're doing a curl, right? And I was like I was like when we're doing cleans we're trying to use our legs like you legitimately use your legs and you let go of the bar. And you sneak underneath it, right? And he's like, he's looking at me super confused. So I did a rep. Like, I, I like to do reps where I'll literally throw the bar up and I'll let it go. And then I'll catch it with <laughs> my arms straight. Like, catch it like in a, right, like a zombie in, spot. In a, right, right, right. I got you. I got yes. You. Yeah. So throw it up. The bar pass perfect, you know, and you stick your arms out and you just catch it on your shoulders. And that's always a crowd pleaser because, you know, athletes are like, holy shit, like, did you see what he just did? Did you? Hey, that, did that's you, when they start. Oh, I gotta listen now. <laughs> did you see what? Did you see what Coach Cam did? He, <laughs> he just grabbed 185 pounds and he threw it up and caught it on his shoulders. Like what? Like hold on. Like we need to, we need to pay attention to this guy, right? So I, I learned that I learned that when I was working with football at Northern Colorado, and you know, I, I've worked with athletes. I've worked with a handful of guys during the NFL, in the NFL, mm-hmm. and I've worked with a couple guys that are playing pro basketball. <laughs> Like, like I, I have, I've had the ability, I've been lucky enough to coach guys that are better athletes than I was. So one of the number one things that I'm always like, you have to do, you have to earn their respect, even if it's by doing something like that. Right. So, you know, I've got a 300 pound lineman that, uh, he, he, I don't know I think he's still at North Texas. I think he's got one more year. Um, but before he got hurt, he, his max clean, his max power clean was like, his max power clean was 308, let alone what he could squat clean. Mm. Right. Mine is like 280 ever, like two best ever, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you know it's hard because it's like okay, hey, if you do this, maybe we could go from 308 to 315 or or 308 to 320 or you know whatever the case is. Right. And I'm trying to get you to improve a little bit. And if you don't do a really good job of building trust and showing that you know what you're talking about, then it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like you're scrawny ass, you can't do or like I'm bigger than you or I'm stronger than you. Like, <laughs> your max clean isn't even what I can clean. And it's like, you know, you got to earn that. You got to earn your stripes kind of thing. Right. So, you know, that's one of the things that I'll do. Like you can't replace time under the bar. So I I practice a lot of things. I practice what I preach so that 
you know, hey, I know what you're feeling. Like, I know that six-second eccentric triphasic with 110% is heavy because I do it at least twice a year, and it sucks, and I understand that. And you feel like you want to like fold like an accordion, but guess what? This is core training and the best leg strength that I, I promise you're going to end up better if you just lock in and focus and give me two perfect reps here, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You can't you know, teach I think, train if you haven't trained yourself. <laughs> exactly. And so I think, you know, <clears throat> I think having a great mentor is number one. And then you got to have time under the bar slash like practice what you preach. Right. So any test that you can take on a, you know, you can read a book and you can take a test. And I mean, you can read a book like conscious coaching is one of my favorite books by Brett Bartholomew, but like, okay. It teaches you how to like communicate and not even teaches you it like, it tells you about learning about yourself, learning about your athletes, understanding how to communicate to different people and types of, you know, individuals. But like you can read that book, but if you decide to like throw it up in the air and just go talk to everybody like they're dogs all the time, it's like, well, but you, so you read the book, but you didn't, you didn't do anything. Like you didn't, you didn't get better. Right. So I think the, the, the biggest thing is finding the practical experience, uh, you know, and, and being able to, Learn it, practice it yourself, watch great coaches because great coaches sometimes are people that program really well. And they've got, you know, like Cal Dietz, unbelievable programmer. Um, you know, obviously the research that he does, the scientific approach that he has to everything, you know, everybody knows his name for a reason. I- I've never seen him in the weight room, but, you know, that is what he's known for in at least coaching fields. Does that make him a like, does that make him less of like a, like a, um, you know, a coach that like, okay, at North Texas coach Womack, like commands that football team. And it is the most impressive, incredible thing to watch. And not saying that, that Cal doesn't command a room and not saying that coach Womack doesn't command, uh, doesn't know how to program. Right. right. But being able to have a mentor that can teach you the programming piece and the scientific piece hands on and understand why to use it, when to use it, how to use it. And then you also learn the, how to implement it. Right. So I don't think it's even just about having one great coach or one great mentor, like, you know, intern, you know, experience as much as you can talk to as many people as you can, especially if that's, if this is really what you want to do and you want to be great at it, you know? Right. <clears throat> um, what is most important to you? as a strength coach when it comes to like training your athletes, um, if you could nail it down to one thing, I know that that's hard, but if you had to like, just do, if you had to pick one thing, what is the most important thing to you? I would say that the, the best ability is availability. Okay. So you can get guys or girls really strong, right? You can get them super powerful. You can get them super fast. You can work on this change of direction. You can make sure they're flexible, mobile, mobile, agile, hostile, right? We can do all these right. things, <laughs> but if they get hurt, whether it's on the field, walking to class or dropping a weight on their foot, right? Then they're not available. And right. if they're your best player, you know, they may be super strong, but if they're hurt, they're worth, not, I wouldn't say they're worthless, but like they're, <laughs> value is less right our team isn't as good because our number one guy is out because he hurt his back doing this or you know whatever the case is right Mm -hmm. so to me the number one thing that i always always in the back of my mind it's always about staying healthy you know right um one of the reasons why we front squat and we we never do traditional back squats and my baseball guys hate it they hate it they bring it up all the time and for me, I'm just like, listen, we're going to front squat because 
it's uh, it's great anti-flexion core bracing. A, B, it's safer on your spine. You're in a more upright position. It's easier to sit lower and get better depth. And honestly, the weight's lower. Like the the, the there's less load. Yeah, it's uh, ju- it can be just as intense, but with less load. It can just absolutely like yeah. the bar and everything like that. So you're yeah, changing exactly. the angle with the body and, and everything's going to be in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so it's like, it's like, listen, we can get, we can still get really strong. We can get really good at front squats. Oh, we, when we, you do a front squat, like if you don't know, then you're like, oh yeah, that's bull. But if you do a front squat and it's heavy and you're doing, you know, yes. doubles or triples or whatever with 75%, yes. you're going to be like, oh no, this is no yes. joke either. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so they may hate that, but you know, we are on the field, you know, yeah, we have, and, and whatever, if your numbers are getting better, you're jumping higher, running faster. Who cares? I don't care what you like. Exactly. <laughs> it's about getting you better. Exactly. That's what you're here for. You know, and I'll, I'll always go to my pitchers, um, especially the closer we get to the spring season, and I'll say, you know, what was your – like, I know when they throw bullpens and I say, hey, what'd you, what were you throwing yesterday? I'll throw an 88, 89. All right, cool. You know, and then, you know, maybe a month later, you know, hey, how hard are you throwing? Dude, I, I was hitting 90 consistently. Mm-hmm. Say, all right, you're, you're, throwing, you're throwing consistently 90. Well, guess what? It took me forever to get to that point. And I was very rarely and occasionally hitting 90, but I can tell you as a hitter and as a pitcher, when you're throwing a ball 90 plus miles an hour, it's a big difference between 88, right? Mm -hmm. Every mile an hour really starts to add up when you're standing 60 feet away. So, you know, those guys, the pitchers, like they know that I'm super hands-on when it comes to like trying to know that information, trying to get them to, you know, realize that like, yeah, you, you may have had a bad day in the weight room today, but, you know, you had a great day in your bullpen or you had a great day in the batting case today or whatever the case is, right? So the end-all, be-all isn't the weight room for me. And the more – the longer that I've been doing this, the more that I, I've kind of realized that. So, you know, you can still go heavy. You can still do heavy things. Like we trap our deadlift. We've got three guys that are at least 600-pound deadlifters, and I would say that we've got <clears> – <throat> Uh, almost half the team that are in the 500 pound deadlift range. Hmm. So we've got guys that can all, they can grab that weight, you know, trap bars, trap bar. Again, it comes to angles and it comes to bar positioning and stuff like that. I mean, it's really, to me, it's like, if you compare it to a barbell deadlift, it's like a rack pull, right? Right. So, you know, you're in the middle of the, you're in the middle of the weight, the weight isn't in front of you. And it's It's from a higher for the guys that have a lot less mobility. They have the mobility, which is most of your athletes anyway. So, you don't have to be like, hey, if I got 10 guys, I can have them all on trap bar, trap bar deadlift, and they're probably a little less likely to get hurt than when they do a regular Absolutely. deadlift, right? Absolutely. Oh, 100%. And, you know, you have guys of all different heights. You have right, all guys right. different, different, different levers, right? So, you know, trap bar is safer to me, and that's part of it. And But it's also – it's like, hey, we are grabbing something heavy, and we're pushing the ground away. That's, like, yeah, that's the goal at the end of the day. We're that's generating force, force, right? Yep. We're generating yep. force. So does it, you know, if, is it, you know, is, does it look cooler when a bar bends and you're deadlifting 500 pounds <laughs> on a straight bar right. or, you know, or when you're trap bar deadlifting, right? And so, yeah, I, I can say, like, I like to conventional deadlift. I like to sumo deadlift, but, like, I'm not playing anymore. So, you know, I think that, like I said, the further along that I've gotten, the, the more that I realize the best ab- ability is availability. So if they're playing, you know, if they're available and they're playing and they're healthy and they're, you know, they're going to be sore in the fall, especially because we're lifting stupid heavy, right. you know, we're doing these, these uh, tempos, but like when you're available, like we're going to be better. So that's always, that's my number one thing. I think. Um, what is your specialty and then will you stick with it or try and branch out? 
so you can be just a better overall strength coach? Because I know some will stick to just one specific sport. Is that more of your goal or do you want to do other sports as well? So I always wanted to do baseball. Um, and then I actually really how I got down the whole path of uh, my internship at Delaware and, you know, everything else that led after that was um, I, I went to um, I, I went online to the pro baseball strength conditioning coach associate, what a PBSC, you know, whatever, all the acronyms. Mm. And uh, so I went on there and I found some job postings from, you know, even months ago, right. Weeks ago, months ago, even some that were like a year old. And I just went on there and I cold emailed every head strength coach that had posted their email. And I was like, hey, like, you know, I, I really want to be a professional strength conditioning coach, uh, you know, attached a copy of my resume. I'm going to make the trip out to spring training. I would love to meet with you and just pick your brain and ask you some questions and kind of do some networking kind of stuff. Mm. And so I had the Cincinnati Reds respond to me. Um, I had the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Houston Astros, um, the Baltimore Orioles. Actually, I was down there in Pirate City with the Pirates, and the Baltimore Orioles strength coach called me, and he was like, "Hey, he was like, hey, like I, he left me a message. And he said, hey, I heard you're in town, and he was kind of like, like what's going on? Like if you're meeting with the Pirates, like what's going on? You know, kind of <laughs> thing. Like is there something that I'm missing? And so I actually got to set up a meeting with him. And uh, so anyway, so I went down and I spent uh, like two full days with the Pirates. That was the, the team that I got to spend the most time with. And uh, at the time it was Coach Alvarez. And, and uh, I remember I sat down in his office and I had, you know, I had a, like a, I had a manila folder with like a cover letter and, uh, you know, references and, a re- right. and all this stuff. And, uh, and he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, I know exactly what your resume looks like before I look at it. And I said, uh, yeah. And he goes, you know, you probably played college baseball and you <laughs> probably – probably worked at a private facility working with, you know, you know, doing some multi-sport, you know, athlete training or, you know, in, you know, specialization stuff. And, you know, maybe, you, maybe you've done uh, pitching lessons and, you know, whatever. And I said, yep, that's pretty much what it says. And he goes, he goes, he said, okay. He said, if you really want this job, he said, is if you really want to have my job someday, when you get back to your hotel, I want you to get on footballscoop.com go to the strength scoop tab and find the first division one football summer internship. Cause this is a, I think this is a uh, March hmm. uh, end of March when this was going on, when I was having this meeting and he said, you know, find the first division one football internship that you can find wherever it is, drive there intern for the summer. That'll get your foot in the door from there. You know, you'll go be in, you'll go and get your master's degree Make sure that you're a GA because you want somebody to pay for it. It looks great on your resume, and it's the coaching experience that you want, and it's the education that you need. And he said, once you're done with that, like, you call me kind of thing. And, yeah. and I was like, okay. I went home, and Delaware was the first team that got back to me, and Coach Perlack called me, and I packed up my stuff and drove 26 <laughs> hours from, from Colorado to Delaware, uh, let's see, April 30th or whatever. And I interned there for the whole summer. I lived in a dorm um, uh, with, a, with a kid that was taking summer classes. Um, and I worked, uh, I would work with football, volleyball, both basketballs. And then in the afternoon, I found a job working with um, like a private facility. And I would do some uh, small group uh, training there. And I'd make just enough money to pay for my groceries and stuff while I was out there. <laughs> and, then I, and, then I, and then I drove back and everything else happened after that. So you know, 
it's kind of interesting the the path you get on and you know like I guess so, so so to answer your question to circle all, all the way back around, <laughs> I I wanted to do baseball and at Delaware I worked with football at Northern Colorado I worked with football and at North Texas I worked with football this is the, the, the here at UVU is the first job I've had that I haven't worked with football and I would say that I miss it more oh, than wow. I thought it would so I don't know if I want to specialize per se in baseball. Um, you know, it's hard because. Is it the mentality a, of the players or you being able to train a certain way with baseball versus football? I think that it's easier for me to relate to baseball because I mm, played. Right. And I really enjoy watching the sport. But some of the, some of the best experiences that I had as a, as a graduate assistant were on the sidelines of football games. Uh, you know, so it's so it's hard for me to say, like, to, to, to separate them. Right. Hmm. And then some of the best experiences I ever had were for sitting behind the bench uh, at, uh, at basketball games. Right. right. So, like, love basketball, baseball, football, um, you know, even even the smaller Olympic sports like they're so they're so different. Like tennis. We had uh, we had three guys from England, a guy from France, a guy from Spain. Like they're all crazy foreign kids that are like, they love to work hard and they have a great time doing it. They wanted to listen to EDM every day when we were in the <laughs> weight room. Like, like they made it fun. So I've had fun and it's just different with every sport. And um, I don't know what, I, I don't know if I want to specialize per se. I would say that if I had less and less sports, you know, that the higher up you go, you get less sports, right? So I've got five sports right now, which is a lot. It keeps me busy, but um, you know, I don't want to get bored either. Right. Like right. if I just had basketball, like I'd be able to do, you know, one on four, you know, like small group stuff that's super specific to each guy yeah. based on their position, based on their mobility, based, you know, all this stuff. Right. But at the same time, mm -hmm. it's like, man, I'd miss working with these big teams. I'd miss working with like a variety of sports. So I don't know. Luckily I'm not in a position where I have to choose, but um, I don't know what the road lead, you know, I don't know what the future holds. I, I just know that I really like helping athletes reach their potential, you know? And okay. okay. So I would say then what is your ultimate goal? Would it be to still work for a school to, to have a bunch of teams or would it be to work with one type of sport as like a pro team or, or do you want to like have your own facility where you bring all types of teams in? Yeah, man. I don't know. That's really hard. I, so, you know, all of those situations have pros and cons, you know, right. Right. Yeah. Private, private facility would be awesome because I think if, if you do it right and you, you, you have a great product and you have a great facility and, um, you know, you, you can make a lot of money and you can set your own hours. And right. I think that's awesome. Um, I loved working with high school kids. I think that you, I, I believe that you actually as a strength coach, a really good strength coach has a bigger impact on high school aged athletes than on college age athletes. I have an um, idea why, but tell me why you say that. I think that developmental window is, is there, right? right so, right. you know, you, you've got growth spurts, hormones, um, you know, a little less to undo a bad training too, right? Yes. Yes. Bad habits that you don't need to break. Um, you can, you know, hopefully you can create great habits right away. Um, you know, you can help. I mean, this is how I look at it. I always want to elevate the athletes I work with. So I'm here at UVU. I work with baseball, softball, both golfs and men's soccer. 
if I can get a baseball guy to get drafted, I've helped elevate him from college baseball player to professional baseball player. If I can get a softball player to go play, you know, professional softball or even play on the USA team, I've helped elevate her to an Olympic softball player. Um, If I can get a golfer to go from D1 to professional golf and get paid to play, play golf, then I want to elevate them. Same thing with soccer, right? So wherever I am, I want to help elevate my athletes. So I think that the highest elevation that you can have is with high school athletes because if you work with a freshman up until he's a senior, yeah, that Olympic cycle. Let's just take yeah, let's just take baseball for example. If you get four great years of training an athlete, not only are they are they hopefully more likely to have success down the road when they go off and maybe let's just say they go off and do college baseball, their college strength coach, I want them to call me and say, Hey man, this guy is a stuck. Like, right. like I can have him lift with the upperclassmen right now. Like he's, he moves course, well. A lot of times stronger. could be stronger. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, he moves well, he's super strong. He, you know, he does all these, he's great. Like, you know, thank you. Right. So I want to help a high school guy go D1. I want to help, uh, um, I want to help, uh, you know, a uh, uh, high school guy get drafted, you know, and, and skip college baseball if, you know, he gets drafted the first five rounds, right? So, I, you know, I want to help elevate people. So how can I – I want to do something, you know, in the long term, I want to help elevate the people I work with. You know, if it's at a, if, if it's at a private facility and it's athletes returning to play after injury – you know, after they're done with a physical therapist, maybe I can help them get back on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I help you know, middle school age athletes just move better and get ready for high school strength conditioning. Maybe I help the high schoolers get ready for college. Maybe I help the college guys go pro. Maybe I help the pro guys go from the minors to the pros. You know, maybe I help the guys that are the 12th man on the bench get in the starting rotation, even if it's in semi-pro basketball. Right. So I think that, I, I want to help elevate people, right? right? So I don't know, I don't know in what way or what it'll look like, but that's what I want to continue to do. Hmm. Um, so, what type of program do you have your athletes on? Um, yeah, so so primarily triphasic. Um, I I like Olympic lifting. Um, I think baseball players get a bad, not the players, but the 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 movements, Olympic movements get a bad reputation with baseball players because professional baseball players tend to avoid it because the risk versus reward kind of scale isn't there in my opinion for baseball players, especially at that high of a level, right? If you're a guy that makes, you know, Garrett Cole just signed $300 million plus contract. Okay. Well, he already throws 95 plus. Um, He's already the best or one of the best baseball players in the world he doesn't need to do hand cleans this offseason and potentially you know hurt his shoulder his wrist his elbow whatever Mm. doing hand cleans even if it would add an extra 0.5 miles per hour on his average fastball right the risk versus the reward isn't there in my opinion for that level um because of that though i think it trickles down to college baseball players so they're kind of like oh i don't know if i want to clean Right. I don't know. Well, pro guys don't clean. Why, you know, why should I? So I think it's hard to use cleans, um, at least for the throwing athletes. And I also have, like, when I first got here, the softball coach that was here, he, he just was like, I, I don't want you to clean them. 
like I've had too many softball, especially pitchers. I've had too many softball girls get hurt doing cleans. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we can do other stuff. We can do med ball throws. We can do overhead med ball throws. We can do trap bar jumps. We can do, um, you know, pulling variations, you know, so we can avoid doing cleans um, and still get a vertical power benefit from other stuff. Right. Do you That's, do weighted jumps with your athletes? Yeah. So we'll do weighted jumps. Uh, I think, you know, so, so. But I know it's different for baseball because the emphasis is more on lateral explosiveness, right? Than vertical. Like the, the basketball so we'll do, football players will be. So we'll do, I try and, so most stuff, and this is where, this is where, you know, like I said, not only, not only the older I get, the more I think about, risk versus reward and availability and, you know, all these things. But the older I get, the more I think, does that actually transfer from the weight room to the field? So, like, you know, we trap our deadlift and we front squat. Those are probably our two biggest movements, like lower body-wise. Those are our two biggest movements. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll also do reverse lunges that are pretty heavy, and we'll do uh, front foot elevated split squats too. Mm -hmm. And those are kind of like our four days kind of broken down um, into, like, our big primary movement. Um, but you know, with those, do those, do those translate? Do those make a guy throw harder? Like, yeah, he can generate more force, but most of those things are, um, they're not, you know, they're in a sagittal, uh, yeah, they're in a sagittal plane. Right. right? And baseball is kind of baseball and softball, even golf, they're, they're frontal plane and they're transverse plane. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do they transfer? Right. Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of like, uh, maybe I hope so. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know if I have an answer for that. Like, do they actually work? So what do you do we, for upper body then? Like, do you, what do you do? You, do you press them in any way? Yeah. So we, we press, um, I will, we'll always do, um, uh, we'll do a horizontal pr- push and a vertical push. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, the only time that we'll modify is if it hurts, right? Like so elbows, some, they have shoulder elbow yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you, so like, will you do like a lot of like a, a soft tissue, connective tissue work, and then maybe like dumbbell stuff instead of the barbell? Because sometimes the player, when it comes to the barbell, they all yep. of a sudden they get pain, but then yep. just because they can get a better position with the dumbbell. Yep, exactly. So I always encourage the guys to go as heavy as they can without pain or do the movements that don't bug them. So some guys like to bench on – like some guys like to dumbbell bench on a bench. Some guys like to floor press. Right. Um, some guys really like the feeling of doing it on a physio ball because it adds some core right, right. Um, and some stabilization to it. And they really like that. That's like the one and, time where I'll use it really like either for leg curl or the, the dumbbell bench. It's actually like Swiss pretty ball. good. Yep. Yeah. The Swiss, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, and, and some guys like that. Right. So I've opened it up a little bit more where it's like, Hey, uh, bench press of your choice. Right. Some guys, some guys like a higher incline than like a 45 degree. Um, some guys like a lower one. Right. So I really want them to, you know, a, it helps with, uh, a, it helps with them like the buy-in and the ownership of yep. the program. You give them a little, because, little something. So then they absolutely, they get to listen a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They get to choose. It's like, well, Cam, you know, Cam always makes me do <laughs> this and I hate it. And it's like, okay, then do this. Like, I don't care. Like, do you? So I, you know, actually it's funny. I have one guy that, you know, we got single arm dumbbell row on, on the program yesterday mm-hmm. and he goes, can I do it on the, the cable machine? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I want you to do single arm though. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just take, you know, we've got the two handles or whatever, you know, we got the neutral grip attachment or whatever. Sure. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just take one of the handles off. I'll do single arm. 
I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. So I go over and I watch him. Like he's getting good range of motion with the shoulder blade. He's staying upright. He's not, you know, rotating too much. Like it's a good row. Like it look, it, you know, obviously you're it's a seated cable row, but like it's it looks like what I would want from a single arm dumbbell row. You're just pulling weight towards your body. So you know what? Am I going to complain because he wants to do that instead of dumbbell row? No, I don't give a shit. Pull, pull, grab something, pull it towards you. Boom, <laughs> done. Right. So, you know, I, I want the guys to have some ownership in what they like to do, um, especially in the summer, because it's optional anyways. And I want them to have some fun when they're in here in the summer. Um, so, yeah, we we press. Um, we always try. You know, I know that we I was watching the um, I was watching Coach Day's presentation um, with Georgia Southern Baseball and his uh, his one to three r- ratio of push to pull is super accurate from every like. Every major league guy that I know that's a strength coach, every major league guy that I know and I talk to, they're either one to two or one to three push to pull ratio, right? So for every bit for the amount of reps uh, or total total volume, volume or, uh, or tonnage, I would say. Uh, you know, it's hard because you say one to two, one to three, but you know, once you start looking at the weights, maybe they are different. But really, I, I look at it as, as simple as exercises. So, you know, if we do three sets of, let's say we do three sets of five dumbbell bench, maybe I'll do three sets of six seated row and three sets of eight lat pull down, for example, right? So the volume. Do you do a lot of rear delt fly? With, I know for basketball, you usually do a lot, but I don't know about for baseball. How does that, how does that work? The problem with, and, and, and here's, here's a piece where I think it's, a, it's part of coaching that you don't realize until you, you know, you get into it and you get to know your players and your athletes. Oh, the reason that we don't do reverse fly is twofold. One, we don't have, we don't have a good way to do, we don't have a good way to do it where all the guys can do it. So like, I would say, I, I mean, when I mean revert, I don't mean reverse fly. I mean, real dealt work period. Uh, so like, you know, band yes. tear, anything yeah. that just hits, do you, do you guys do a lot of Yeah. That? So we do, we do face pulls. Um, yeah, so, so right, we'll do right. face, pulls. face pulls are the worst, <laughs> so, so we'll do face pulls, you know, they, they get a ton of, um, scat. Uh, they, okay. They get a lot of rot- retract. They get a lot of rotator lot of cuff work in, but I don't think they mm-hmm. get enough actual scap stabilization work. And that's actually one mm-hmm. thing that, um, Zach DeCant is the baseball strength coach for TCU. And that's one thing that mm-hmm. he preaches a lot is it's not so much about banded external rotation, you know, whether it's abducted or adducted and, you know, all this band work, band work, band work, like baseball is notorious for all this, um, you know, rotator cuff work, right? Oh, you got to keep the rotator cuff healthy. Well, what mm. Zach has found and what he published in his, he's got a book, it's called movement over maxes. What he's published is a lot of the issue. Some, a lot of the issue is in scap stabilization. So if your scapula, it doesn't have, uh, it isn't stable and, but it, stable in the weight room but also doesn't move well on the field right move move well throwing throwing motion then when that doesn't work well your rhomboids don't work well uh, even your rear delt your lats when those muscles don't work well or do the right job or or uh decelerate the arm well enough that's when you have shoulder and elbow injuries because they compensate right right so it's not it's not so much that you got to do more rotator cuff work it's maybe that you got to do more uh, shoulder uh, shoulder stabilization work. So we'll do like I's, T's, and Y's. Uh, with that, do you do it with the uh, TRX? Uh, no. We'll, so I don't like the. I think. I, I, yeah. So we'll do it with. We'll just do free weights. So we'll go uh, incline, 
uh, bench inclined and we'll go ice T's wise and like M's and like Cuban press. And we'll right. do like, so we'll do stuff like that um, as kind of that shoulder specific, but I technically put that in as a, like, I count that as like a pull um, when I'm like programming. So like, that'll be one of my three pulls to my push. Right. So if I do like a resisted push up, so band around the back or maybe weight on your back, we'll do a push up and then we'll do a TRX row. So I always like to match kind of like if we're pushing our body weight or we're doing a horizontal push, we'll do a horizontal pull and then we'll also do a vertical pull. So let's just say we do TRX row and um, pull-ups or um, barbell bent over. The pull-ups, do you do a lot of like neutral grip? Neutral and chin grip. And which uh, neutral and chin grip. So, chin up. Oh, okay. yeah, so chin up and neutral. Um, we don't do traditional pull ups. Why? Um, I, that's, yeah. a, that's what I would suggest. I yep. think a lot of athletes who they just don't know how to pull without using their arm basically the entire yes. time. Yes. And so, and in baseball, you already have the arm and shoulder issue. Anyways. Yep. And you don't want it, you don't want too tight of a lap. And the, the, if you're, if you're going with a pronated grip, your elbow's going out, driving out. Um, like that will focus more on the lat anyways. And so we don't want, we want the lats to be strong, but we don't want the lats to be tight and huge. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, there's a, there's a fine balance there. Like, yeah. So we do heavy ass chin ups, neutral grip and, uh, supinated. Um, but even then, like we've got the Sornex racks. So like our supinated chin up is like, uh, it's like, it's like 45. So it's like right in between, a true supinated grip and a neutral grip. Right. And that's how Sornex builds their uh, pull-up bars. So, um, so we'll go neutral on that, but you know, like, like, so, so like I said, if we do like a push up, we'll do like a, a single arm dumbbell row and then we'll do a chin up, not in that order, but we'll do a chin up. And then our third pull will be like some scat work, right? Some, some, uh, Cuban press, some, um, ice T's wise, some, uh, you know, band pull aparts and we'll change the grip, whether it's pronated, neutral, supinated, you know, th- those kinds of things are face pulls. Like those are technically a pull, but you know, I'm not, does that make sense? I, I don't put it as like a, I don't qu- qualify it as like a shoulder warm up. I fit that in. Right. I fit that in when I can fit it in with our other, like our supersets, our supersets get pretty complicated. And really the reason is we have a lot of guys and we have seven racks. So our uh-huh. facility is, is limited on space. So we do the best we can with the space we've got. So do you do like giant sets or ascending sets and stuff like that? Mm, I, I, I know this from basketball. So like, I'm always trying to learn more. Right. right. So I'm like, I don't know how that looks. So like. we'll do because the, the basketball players is like, we're trying to always get, like some more straight endurance work. So yeah. it's like, I don't know how that works with baseball. Yeah. So we'll do, um, so we actually, so with triphasic, so we'll not only mess with the tempos. Cause to me, when you, when, when I hear triphasic, I think of, I think of two things. When I hear triphasic, I think of tempo work and I think of, um, French contrast. So we French contrast set, I mean, and we'll do certain variations, like a basic contrast set to start. So a squat and a jump, right. And we'll eventually get to that French contrast set where we'll go, example, we'll go front squat, uh, box or hurdle jump, um, barbell weighted jump, or like overhead med ball toss on the field. Because we've got six-pound balls and we've got our 
our weight room's in a, a bubble with a, uh, so it's in a dome uh, with an indoor field. So our, our, our oh, ceilings nice. are 50 feet high. So I've got right, six pound good. balls and I want the guys throwing them 50 feet high. Like I, I've told, <laughs> I've told, I've told everybody on the team on all my sports, I said, how do you throw? Do you just do like underhand, underhand straight underhand, up, straight like up jumping, okay. jump with it, do whatever you got to do. The intent is max effort, 100% all out, throw it as high as you can straight up. Because if you throw it to me, what I found with myself is if I throw it backwards at all, I, uh, I overarch my back. So my back always get, yeah, yeah. I, get I hyper, don't do that movement basically at all. I get into hyperextension in my back. And so I want mm-hmm. triple extension. I don't want hyperextension. So, right. so we're throwing it straight up, you know? And so if that's our weighted jump, right. Or our weighted vertical, whatever in our French contrast. Um, and then we'll finish with a, a band accelerated jump of some kind. Right. So, From like the rack yeah. and then you kind of run your waist and you jump. Yeah, like we'll most of the time with the guys because of the setup and how easy it is, we'll have them grab about halfway up, pull the band down and keep it in their chest. So they're doing a, a no arm swing, like a counter movement jump. So they're jumping with mm. the band and it's just super, uh, super low ground contact time, as much stress shortening cycles we can possibly get. So jump as high as you can. And then as soon as your feet hit the air, it's like a pogo jump. But your pogo jumping, right. I mean, I, just for fun, I put the jump mat underneath some of the, the softball girls. And we had the girls doing 50-inch <laughs> right. jumps, right? So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want that overspeed training per se, right? So, so right. that's how we'll set up our French contrast sets. And then most of the time, because of the space, we'll fit in, like, our anti-flexion or anti-rotation core work. And maybe we'll also add in our, uh, our scap work. So one set could be a set of two um, six-second eccentric front squats, and then I'll jump on the box three times. I'll throw the med ball on the field three times. I'll do my accelerated jump three times. I'll do a 20-second weighted plank with as much weight as I can possibly hold on my back without, um, without breaking, without caving. And then the weighted planks are, will you keep them strictly for more experienced athletes or is it an age or uh, is it depending if on you can, the sport? If you can hold, if you can, this is, this is not scientific based. If you can hold a perfect plank for 60 seconds and a perfect plank is, you know, a little shaking. Sure. But like, I, I don't want to see right. you looking like an accordion, like you're going to fall apart. If you, if you can hold a body weight plank for 60 seconds, you can put a, you can put a 10 pound plate on your back. And if you can do a 10 pound plate, you can do a 25 pound plate. Right. And, and so we'll mess with the weight, you know, in that way. Um, so really our progression would be um, body weight plank. And then if you can get a 60 second plank, we'll put your feet on a slide board. Um, and so that really increases the amount of uh, that increases the core activation because if your feet are on a slide board, you're, a lot of people will end up with kind of like shoulder pain, especially when they start to weight it because their, their elbows right. aren't directly under their shoulder. They're <laughs> under their face and they'll start to like push backwards. Right. So they're pushing right. back on their feet. If you put their feet on the slide board, good luck. Cause they'll slide right back. So you have to do a really good plank on the slide board. And then from there we'll go weighted plank on the ground and then we'll go weighted slide board plank. Um, and then that's really our weighted plank progression. Um, and then we'll do like, we'll do, uh, I guess they're called jigsaws or ab rollouts or whatever, you know, but like the ab wheel. So that's, that's right, anti-flexion. Right. So we'll do that. We'll do like cement mixers or like stir the pot with like the Swiss balls. Um, 
you know, so we'll do those kinds of things. We do a lot of payoff press variations or band punch out variations um, for our anti-rotation work. Um, we'll do chops, uh, but we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a really good job of anti-rotation, anti-flexion before, to, before we get to our chops. But the only, the only loaded rotation that we do are throws. We'll do med ball throws. We'll do med ball shot. We'll do like a shot put, like a toss, and we'll have pitchers go through their motion and we'll have hitters like get in their, you know, like actually like a swinging stance and throw like shot put from that. We'll have them do like an underhand bucket style toss also um, from their, the hitters from that position. Um, we'll have them do a, a stepping rotational slam. Um, but we'll ne- you'll never see me do guys. You'll never see me have guys or girls do um, like Russian twists. Um, mm. Or is that just for the baseball? That's or everybody. Do you not do it for everybody. Yeah, I don't. I don't do it with anybody because it hurts my low back, and I can't. I can't justify having somebody do an exercise that I know hurts me. Um, right. And I, I. I just don't see the. I mean, I just don't see where it's like we're gonna do Russian twists for like like. Tell like if somebody loves them, go ahead and message DM me on Instagram and tell me like why you love them, like what it really works, and then I'll try and give you a better way to do it that's safer. You know, because again, I'll go back to the availability piece, right? So, um, I like the med ball over the. I think because you're getting a little bit of upper body explosive. Absolutely. It's somehow even if you go much heavier weight, you still don't feel it in your back. Maybe it's just because you're sitting down. Leaning back, it's it's just something a little, it's a little awkward. I don't yeah. know. Like if you're not a maybe just a strictly lifter, right? I think as an athlete, it's just med ball throws. Well, and, and this is always my example. And this is you know I, I like a I like bench because I think you need to press something heavy because it balances out all the pulling that we do, right? Um, right. But at the same time, like tell me a time where in sport you're sitting on your butt and you're rotating side to side. Yeah. Right? So yeah. like if I have a yeah, you may be standing, right. but not sitting on right. the ground. So, but, if I'm, but if I'm standing, right, if I'm standing and I rotate and I throw a med ball to a partner against the wall, like that, I, I'm taking a bat and I'm rotating. And it's not like I'm super – I'm not isolating the low back, which is a stability joint. If yes. you go by the – if you go with – if you use the or you believe in the joint-by-joint joint approach, like the low back isn't supposed to rotate. And to me, a Russian twist is low back rotation. So I don't right. – I don't like that. I'd rather use my entire body to rotate and throw something as hard and as fast as possible. So, um, so we'll do that. But anyway, so our French contrast sets, I, I'm, I'm all over the place, by the way, sorry. Um, but our, but my, French, my, my French contrast sets, um, really the reason that, that triphasic uses them is because you're training the entire force velocity curve. Um, so like the justification, cause I've had, you know, I, I, part of being a coach to me is also like you know you can have this great program but if the athletes are like this is stupid and i don't know why this works and screw this like if they don't put 100 percent intent effort you know my, my big three words are attitude effort and focus so if you don't give me 100 percent in those three things right your your intent is poor you're not lifting as heavy or as fast as you possibly can then you're not going to get you're going to you're not going to reap the benefits of what we're doing so like when i try and explain why we're doing french contrast that's because it's you know it's six exercises that are paired together well it's four exercises that are paired together um with the shoulder stuff and the anti-flexion anti-rotation core work right so it's like hey how come we're doing six sets of exercises you know it's like okay well number one there's 40 of you and there's seven racks okay number two (laughs) number two here's the force velocity curve here's where your front squat is 
on the high force side, here's where your uh, here's where your um, body weight jump is, which is towards the velocity side. Okay, and then your accelerated jump is at the very high end of the velocity uh, vector, right? Or not vector, um, whatever the the curve is. But anyways, whatever that shape is, right? The curve, right? The end of the velocity end of the curve is your accelerated jump. And then somewhere in between your body weight jump and your front squat is going to be whatever weighted jump you do, right? And so instead of just getting stronger or just jumping higher, we're trying to do everything because sports, every sport occurs somewhere in the middle of that force velocity curve, or at least the sports that I work with, right? So if you run faster, if you run faster and you jump higher, you should be a better basketball player, soccer player. But right. so, uh, golf, softball, and baseball, you're all swinging something that weighs between, you know, a, a golf club weighs, uh, I honestly don't know, let's just say 10 ounces, and a baseball bat weighs, you know, 30 ounces, right? So somewhere in there you're swinging uh, and you're generating force through the ground and you're swinging an item that weighs some – it's not your max weight, but it's also not your body weight. Oh, right. you know, so, so to me, sport occurs in the middle of the force velocity curve. So instead of just making the curve taller or longer, let's shift the curve all the way to the right. I think that's what they say. Oh, I know like in a super training yes. and many, at least at the good books, it's you want to shift the yep. whole yep. thing. Exactly. Rather than just focus. Cause if you're focusing on one, then you should be in a sport that's like, you know, powerlifting. Uh, powerlifting or stuff like that where you only like yes it's great for them to be at a jump but like they're not trying to really actually raise their jump is it's yes. times more for conditioning or just a little bit of extra explosive yep. but if you're an athlete you need all those things at all times to be going up and to the right right exactly. is it up shift up and to the right uh right? yeah shift up and to the right yeah because i mean your your velocity i mean at some point i guess your max velocity is your max velocity but you can right, always right. generate more force right because yep. to me Generating force is strength, right? And then the faster yeah. you, the faster you can generate force is your power and your speed. And so power and speed, everybody says, oh, well, you know, power and speed, that's, that's what we want. Co- sport coaches, oh, Cam, can you make them faster? Can you make them more powerful? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what sport is. Like, that's what we're going to do, right? So, you know, all the things that we do are trying to shift the curve, you know, and, and, and shift the whole curve. We're not just trying to get stronger. We're not just trying to jump higher. We're trying to do all of it. We're trying to run faster, jump higher, move more weight, and be healthier, you know? Right. Um, last thing. So who are the strength coaches you look for or look to for an advice, whether you know them personally or you just follow them online? Like who do you look for for new information or touching up on something? Are the people that you're like, oh, crap, I got to – not rewrite the whole book, but I'm missing this and missing that. How do you, who do you look Yeah. For? So, um, so personal standpoint, best mentors I've had, um, director of football strength conditioning at Northern Colorado is Jeff Butler. Um, he does a great job building relationships with his athletes. He does a great job of running a weight room. I mean, when you get, uh, when you get a football team in the day after a game, and all 90 of them need to lift at the same time in, in, a, ra- in, in a weight room, mind you, that has eight racks, okay? How the hell does that happen? Okay, it is, it is unreal. 
the chaos and but the efficiency <laughs> the efficiency that our staff had i mean and how and how fast is that weight room session like how oh my quick God. do you get them in out warmed up lifted oh. cooled out like how does that oh, oh you got you got to get them in and out the day after game no more than an hour and they can mm, all get yeah. through they can all get through a full body lift and it's not a wow. everything it is a full workout and it is unreal to see jeff command a room and how long has he been uh coaching? let's see he has been well okay i gotta work backwards here so he's been at northern colorado for four to five years he was the director at southern utah for two years he was an assistant at montana for uh i'm gonna say two to three years he was an assistant at dartmouth for up to two years and he was an assistant at arkansas for a year and he was a GA at uh, NC State for two years. So, so like what, like 13? Yeah, I mean he's 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 done his he's done his time for sure. I want to say God, <laughs> I don't and now I feel bad. I don't know how old Jeff is. He's gotta be 34. It's 12 years, I guess. 12 years. Oh, wow. 12 years interning and I mean he, so he played D1 football so he knows you know I, I think that some of the best strength coaches are people that have experience doing what they do as an athlete. I don't think there's any, there's not, I don't know if there's any, at least that I look to that didn't play the sport, didn't play at least some sport at a high level. And then most continue to compete in some type of lifting track, yeah. martial arts, something. It's just, it's a competitive like thing. You, said, you need to, yeah. need to, you need to do it yourself. And I think those are the best coaches because they, their athletes look at them like, oh, he doesn't bullshit either, so I can't. And if he's done it, even if he's not at the pro level himself, but he played in college and he played high school, like he knows how it is to be in the locker room, how it is to get through your coach's practice, then come after and, and come practice. He's like, I've done it myself, you know. And yes. he, if he's still competing, it's you're you're just gonna be better, yes. you know. You, there's no, it's not a bad thing. It's only competitive. yes. And so you know, I, I I totally agree. And so I think that I think that football players have you know football players start lifting at a younger age than most athletes yeah and so i yeah. think that that's an advantage i think that if they yeah that is a much bigger it's a, i'm trying i want to change that with base basketball. yeah and in baseball too i agree and so yeah, yeah. you know Both, for yeah. me it's like it's an advantage because you've been in a weight room longer it's an advantage because you have a weight room culture, right? Your your team. Right. You, it's hand in hand with your sport, yeah. even though it should yes. be like that for all. Yes. But that one is it's absolutely like yes. And so all those things lead to lead to I think football players are at an advantage to be really good strength coaches. Now there are some right. former football players that aren't good strength coaches. Okay, <laughs> right. there are some former golf athletes that are great strength coaches. And there are some former golf athletes that are terrible strength coaches. I'm not saying that it, there's a correlation. I just believe that, you know, you spend more time in a weight room, you play it in college, you earn that respect from that piece of it. You've been through the trials and tribulations. You've had your time under the bar. So, so Will Rattel is a assistant strength coach at North Dakota. He, him, uh, he, he, we recorded my first podcast that I ever did and he played football. I think he, I want to say he played, um, so he played at North Dakota and then he um, I think he had a shot with like training camp with like the Kansas City Chiefs or something. So like he even he even made it, you know, he wasn't maybe he wasn't drafted, but like he had a chance to if people don't know how hard it is to get oh on that. God. I've had friends that get on those training yeah, camps. You put a, 
And it's like you can get cut. You can be the a top guy, but if you're like kind of on the way and there's a rookie, you can just get Absolutely. cut. It's like football, you know, they pump them yes. in and out. So and so like, to even to, to, to even have a chance to do a tryout for a team or to even do like a uh, a preseason camp invite and be able to put on an NFL helmet for any period of time, that means that you have you, like you've done something impressive. Like that is an impressive level. Okay, and so. But, but, and I even said this to him, I, you know, I, I, but I believe this, like he's a former football player and he works with, I mean, he sits with football, but he primarily does, I want to say basketball, maybe volleyball as well. But like, just because he didn't play those sports doesn't mean that he doesn't do a great job of, you know, listen, here are the benefits of the weight room. Look at, I mean, you're struggling with this try this. Oh yeah, that works. Mm. I was like, yeah, cause I've, I've spent how many years lifting weights myself. Right. So I, you know, I think that that, I think that that gives uh, that that's a huge, a huge benefit. Um, yeah. So anyway, so Jeff, Jeff's a great personal um, guy that I look up to. Um, uh, Jimmy Edel, he's at university of Wyoming. Now he's a director of men's basketball sports performance. Um, he did baseball. Colorado, or I helped him with baseball. And he's a big triphasic guy. He he always does a great job with the research. Um, he's super scientific based, so he's always got a reason for why he's doing something. It's not like a oh, mental toughness, right? Like that's bullshit. You know, right. like there's a lot of things you can do for mental toughness, but you know, given a guy, I think a lot of that is outside the way. Right. The more and more I look into that, yes. that's a lot of exactly. know, meditation, all that. Yes. Good. Being counseling, being, being able to therapy, control, like, a whole other yeah, being able to control a stimulus, learning how to handle failure, right? All of those things. Yeah. I don't, you know, like yeah, I think that you got to learn. You got to learn to strain, right? And you gotta, yeah. you know, like the weight room will help you teach that, but like you know, I don't need to hurt you by putting you through some <laughs> workout, right? right. Um. So, but he's great, scientific based. Um, the whole staff at North Texas, uh, Coach Becca Gold was my internship coordinator down there. It was, it was the greatest thing that I could have done for myself professionally right before I got this job. I had just finished as a graduate assistant and I was applying for all these uh, full time jobs and I hadn't landed one and I knew I needed to keep working and I wanted to continue contacts and and my experience. So I decided to go take a volunteer internship down in, in Texas. And it was, it was super humbling because you go from, you know, we, like we talked about, you go from a guy that is respected as a coach and has his own teams to going back mm-hmm. down to an intern. Right. And mm-hmm. start over from square one. And, you know, luckily like I worked with Phil and he's at, so Phil, Phil Byers at uh, Miami now basketball. Um, and Beck is still there. Coach Walmack's great. Like, all that whole staff at North Texas is, is awesome. And it was a great experience um, to be able to go down there and uh, to work with them. Um, Rick, Rick LaFay is down there. He's works with women's basketball. He, he was the men's basketball coach at LSU when Ben Simmons was there. And, uh, oh, okay. and he works with track and field with Lolo Jones. So like, Oh, wow. you know, so he's got, he's, he's incredible. Even though, it, even though it's women's basketball in North Texas conference USA, you're kind of like, ah, oh, like group of five, like, like it doesn't matter who you work with, like great. There are great strength coaches all over the place. So the whole staff at North Texas is awesome. Um, and then the people that I follow online that I, that I, that I may not have met, but like, I really respect and, and try and learn from them. Uh, Eric Cressy is like the baseball strength coach. 
um, Zach DeCant, uh, TCU baseball. Uh, and I want to say Eric Cressy's now with the New York Yankees, but he's got his own, he's got two facilities too out on the East coast. Um, Zach DeCant with TCU baseball. Um, gosh, I feel like now I'm on the spot. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Brett Bartholomew is unbelievable. Conscious coaching. Um, great book. Um, it's the first book that I give all my interns when they come here in this, in the beginning of the semester. Um, Nick Winkleman, uh, just wrote, um, and it's not art of coaching. It's like, co- uh, voice of coaching. I, I, I ordered the book <laughs> and I'm waiting on it, but his is great. It's a communication book. Um, but he does a great job with, uh, communication. Uh, Lee Taft and Derek Hansen are both sprint coach guys. I would, it's hard because it's like, you're a speed guy, but like, I don't want to ca- categorize them. It's not like they don't do strength stuff also. Um, right. but Derek Hansen and Lee Taft are great speed guys. Um, coach Telgatis is, uh, I've been talking to him a lot. Um, I think he just does a really good job with a developmental program and understanding that, you know, you don't look at, to me, you don't look at a program and go, Hey, this is what we're doing this month. I look at a program and go, Hey, this is what we're going to do for the next four to five years. Right. This is right. my, you know, this is my freshman Olympic side. Exactly. Not Olympic side tomorrow. And it's like, listen, this is what we're going to do in the course of the four to five years that you're going to be here. You know, and if you leave early because you got drafted, great. And, you know, if you stay longer because you redshirted and that's why we get this fifth year or now because of coronavirus and maybe we get a sixth year. Right. It's like, right. it's like, okay, you know, then our developmental window or our, not a developmental window, but like our, our training, you know, we get an extra year. Right. So, you know, I think that there's a, there's a process and I think you need to look past, and this is something that I'm doing more recently in the last year than I would have done a year ago or even six months ago. Right. So always be growing, but like he does a great job of, you know, starting somewhere and then building off of that. Um, Michael Boyle may be controversial, but he's like the OG. Um, and then some of the guys that he's led that have worked for him over the years, like Craig Edwards does a lot of great stuff with, uh, he works with volleyball and like ice hockey. And then the last one I got to say is, is Cal Dietz. Like I, like I triphasic training. I remember the first time I went through like a macro cycle with, where I did the eccentric tempos, the isometric tempos and the concentric tempos. And my front squat, and I'd been lifting for a while. My front squat went up 50 pounds. My deadlift went up 80 pounds. My vert went up four inches. Like, I think that the way that triphasic training is put together, and if you use the French contrast sets correctly, and obviously your nutrition's got to be on point with any program that you do. You got to get enough sleep. You got to really focus on recovery, especially now that I've got old man knees. But like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, triphasic training to me is what I've ha- found success with. It's what I've used to, to have success with my athletes making them better on the field, better in the weight room and keeping them on the field and keeping them healthy. So that's what I use, you know, and, you know, I modify it, you know, a little bit given, you know, given certain situations, but, you know, triphasic training is where it's at for me. Um, we, we share the same last name, but there's no relation there. Um, I've, I get asked that all the time. So, um, anyways, might as well throw it out there, but I think Cal's great. I think his information is great. Um, you know, there's, I think there's a ton of, there's a ton of great resources. Um, I think there's a ton of great resources online. So, you know, anytime that somebody's trying to get better, there's always, there's always ways to get better and learn from, from people that are, um, super knowledgeable in what they do. So. 
Speak, speaking of the recovery, what uh, recovery methods do you use or you suggest your athletes to do, especially because you're in a team setting where you maybe are, I only got the hour to train them. It's like, what do you tell them to do when they get back to their dorm or they go home? So I always encourage uh, self-soft tissue work. Um, I'm a big uh, active release te- technique guy, so ART. Um, so I really yes, like, yes. I really like the, the breaking up scar tissue and you can do those things. Like, obviously if you've got a manual, like a therapist that can do the manual therapy on you, obviously that's going to be your best bet, but you can always do your, you know, uh, we do a lot of, um, tennis ball, um, trigger point, like, uh, therapy around the, around the scapula and on in the, in the shoulder blade where, where the, t- uh, Terry's minor and uh, subscap. And super spinated. I got that done to me by an ART guy once. It was the weirdest, painful, yep. but good sensation. It, I said, it, yo, I got so much, especially on my shooting, my shooting yeah. side. I was like, oh, yes, yes. I need this all the time. And, and so we do it, you know, obviously with the throwers, we do it a lot. Um, and you can do it with a tennis ball. Um, start with a tennis ball, work into a lacrosse ball. Um, but a lot of active release with yourself. Um, foam rolling. Um, I think ice, icing is... Uh, I saw squat university is also great. Um, Dr. Horshing, but, uh, ice, he just posted a great, uh, blog on, uh, icing is like the worst thing that you can do. It delays recovery. Um, so I, I thought, yeah, you're supposed to use heat, yeah, right? Use, that's, use heat. That's the best. Yep. Use heat. Cause it increases blood flow. Um, right. You, you get rid of all the, uh, the waste that your yep, body's actually trying to yep, get rid you, of, right? Cause when your body, when you get sick, you get hot. You usually don't get cold. Yep, so yep. it's like, it should be the same. You, thing, you right? increase your, uh, lymphatic system, blood flow and how, how quickly it can um, clear out the damaged cells because, I mean, your, your DOMS, your delayed onset muscle soreness happens because of tissue damage. And, right. you, you know, you grow, whether it's hypertrophy or strength or you know, whatever the case is, you're, you're, the stress that you put yourself under in the weight room or on the field doing change of direction stuff or on the court doing sprints or whatever it is, the stress that you put yourself under, the best way to recover from that tissue damage is to heat to uh, stem, like uh, Mark Pro's great uh, electric stem units. Um, any, yeah, any of the Theraguns, the Theraguns are great. Um, but anything that you can do to increase blood flow, right? right. To me, that's the name of the game. Um, increase blood flow. Do you, do you do like jacuzzi or sauna? Um, if they, you know, in Orem, it's so in around UVU, it's kind of a, it's different. They don't have dorms, so it's a lot of apartment living. Um, mm-hmm. So if they've got hot tubs, absolutely go go, go increase your, go do something to heat, you know, uh, don't ice. I, ice is stupid. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's funny, like in college, like, I, I don't know oh, if you've probably been to the oh my gosh. where there was the dude with the bags of ice and I'm always, always, always. back. I would be like, nah. And I didn't want to say anything to like the dude. Cause I'm like, he don't really know what he's doing, even though it's his job. I know it's his job, Yes, but I'm like, all it does is numb whatever I'm feeling. Yes. And then later I don't feel any better. Yep. And then if you look at the research, you're probably actually getting worse. Yes. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and it, and it's hard because it's, you know, you don't want to step on toes as the strength coach, but you right, know, right. sometimes, sometimes if, if you think that there's a better way to do it, you build a good relationship, not only with your athletes, but you build a good relationship with your staff, your athletic trainers, your sport coaches, whatever the case is. And then, you know, you have this open line of communications. Like, hey, listen, I, I listened to this podcast and they referenced these articles. I, right. I was just going to say, like, do you give them the, cause so it's not coming from you. Cause if it comes from you, you're just the jerk telling them, right. Do you give them like an article? Like here, here's some other people that know more than me. Like yep. do you, do you humble, like make yourself be like, nah, I don't know anything. This is just the dude right. that like 
are physical therapists and they're scientists and they do all yes. this research and they say this is an old school way of thinking. Like we should get away from it's this. Like, this is, so then we both don't lose our job. Right. right? And it's like, like this is what they wrote their thesis on. So like right, you know, right. look at all the research hours that went into this. Like right. and, and I remember so like on the Squat University podcast, um he he had uh I can't remember who it was now, but uh uh Dr. Horshing had um he had the guy that created the rice protocol. And he, yeah, and I just heard that. Yes. From the back, he, and he, he went said, backwards on it. He uh, said, like, yeah. and this is this is years ago. This isn't like last year. This right. is like yep. ten years yep. after it was created. So let's let's just say, and don't quote me. Whoever listens, don't quote me. But like, 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 let's say it was in the eighties that he created the Rice Protocol. In the nineties, yeah. he was like, "Hey, I was wrong." Hey, I was wrong, but, guys. But people want to keep that quiet, right? right? Like then, they don't want to say they were wrong about their own own right. stuff that they wrote, all stuff they brought, they based all their stuff on. And it's like, but you're benefiting everyone yes. else. But it's like, it's just like the, the oil companies. Like, no, we're going to keep polluting the planet so we can say yes. trillionaires. Yes. It's like, yo, but if you convert it to solar, you could still be a billionaire. Is that too much? No, no, no. No, it's I gotta not that bad. It and I got to keep it on the low. Right. I got to keep it on the low. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, the guy that created that, he came out and he said, like, let's just say it's 1990. And he goes, hey, I was wrong. And then no one did anything. So 30 years <laughs> later, everybody's looking around and like, wait, it's not the best thing for you? It's like, well, no, the, the guy that created it said 30 years ago that he was wrong. So, you know, for me, like, I want the guys, I want, I want all my athletes, I encourage them to increase blood flow. Um, some of my athletes like static stretching. Um, I will occasionally static stretch. Uh, I usually just tell people to do that, like, before you go to bed as an yeah, extra thing. sure, yeah. But, like, mo like real mobility, like. Dynamic stretching, FRC, yes. stuff like yeah. that is the shift you should be focusing on because most of you are just have terrible mobility yep. overall. And it's only going to increase what we get out of the weight room. The passive stretching is is great, kind of more for a feel good and yep. sort of a recovery. But I think the if you're going to dedicate other time, it should be to like actual mobility work. If, if, if somebody comes to me, let's say a pitcher comes to me and they say, um, hey, man, I really like to ice and I really like to static stretch. They help, <laughs> they, they help me feel better. I look at them and I say, all right, well, you get to choose one of those to do, and it's not ice. And it's like, uh, okay, then I'll try to stretch. It's like, all right, cool, yeah. So, like, if, if that makes you feel better, awesome, cool, do it. Does it does it actually help with your mobility or your flexibility? Yeah, over time, sure. You know, like, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of research on, like, how long you actually have to hold a stretch. And Right, right, right. Some people are like 30 seconds, yeah. some is like two minutes, yeah. and I'm like, and so I don't know, like if my if my athlete's like, I'll give you thirty minutes of something out the rate room. I'm gonna be like, all right, let's do some FRC, right? And 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 you just lay in a bathtub, and then you're not even doing anything, yeah. you know, like. I, that, and I like that. Most and I like that. I love FRC. I think capsular capsular uh, range of motion is great. Um, right. I, you know, I was I was talking to somebody, and and this is the quote that I gave him, and I I didn't mean I didn't mean to make it like a, a big deal, but I'm gonna keep saying it. So we don't do corrective exercises because our ex oh, God. we don't do we don't do <laughs> we don't do corrective exercises because our exercises are correct. Right. So like and and the strength is functional. Exactly. And so oh, it's yeah, like that damn function. Exactly. Right. And so it's like so it's like so it's like look at the best weightlifters in the world. The Chinese weightlifters don't spend a lot of time stretching. You know what they do? Mm -hmm. They squat to full depth. Every rep, yeah, yeah, and they squat, and they've been doing it for a long time. Yes, too. they always do they it. They don't wait till they're thirty. Yes, they, they always do it. They've never stopped. 
and they always do it heavy. They don't do, mm-hmm. you know, when I always, I always get on my, the guys that I really get on are guys that as they squat, their, their depth changes. And it's like, listen, yeah. when the load goes up, the, the movement has to stay the same. Right. So like, mm-hmm. I've got guys that have tight hamstrings. It's like, well, hey, do you, do you know, do I need to do I need to do some, you know, toe touches, stretch, you know, do I need to do some some hamstring stretching? No, no, no. And I, listen, if we do heavy RDLs that match the weight of our front squats right. and we do them with great form, impeccable form, slightly bent knees, shoulder blades together, right. perfect hinge, right door hinge, right? Our back isn't rounding. Our knees aren't bending. We're getting a good stretch and we're always trying to get a little bit further every rep, every set, every day the best way to increase that the sarcomeric length is to put that shit under a load. So like yeah. you want to, cause the passive stretch is not going to look no. like the, the type of movement you're trying to get a squat or a jump right. and get in a better position. What? Right. So are you sitting still and somebody's pushing on your back? That's my favorite. Well, or like, are you just sitting there for two minutes? Like, no, this is a dynamic movement. Yep. So you need to address it dynamic. When you see that to me, the biggest time that I see that is that those partner stretches, like the, you know, the seated with the basketball before the basketball, so basketball. Yes. <laughs> but even more so gymnastics and ah. gymnastics they do it at such a young age and that's why so many so many feel, female gymnasts careers are cut short because mm-hmm. of they're hypermobile and yeah. they're they're hyper but they can't get into a squat like right. they can play or whatever that other thing is called and put their chest around yes. the split but then like they can't dynamically get exactly. into a position exactly and so mm-hmm. you know it's you know it's part of that sport is it right I'm a strength coach. I'm not going to tell you what's right in gymnastics. I don't have a gold medal in anything, but you know, at the same time, I, you know, I don't, it's, it's not, you can just observe though. It, do, you know? it doesn't make you a better athlete, right? If we're saying athlete, it may make you a better gymnast because you're able to get into certain positions when you're doing your floor routine. Right. But like, you know, you're, you're not a better athlete because of that, but you know, that hypermobility is the cause of so many injuries especially at the youth gym, gymnast level, uh, female youth gymnasts, hypermobility. But you see a lot, of the, a lot of the Olympians now, for any of those very, very individual sports, like ice skating or, or, or gymnastics, where it was like it was thought to be as light as possible so you could get as many rotations. But you see some of these girls, like uh, I can't remember that one black girl that's the one that just the won like all those miles. gold. She was just incredibly strong. Yes. So she could do – maybe her form wasn't perfect, but she could get more rotations just because she was stronger. It's just like Bolt, when people focus so much on perfect, perfect form and running, I'm like, but he doesn't have some of the better, as better form as some people yep. behind, but what is he? What is he? He's brutally strong. Yep. Him and Brad Johnson, you know, all those guys can squat two and 2.5, three times body yep. weight. So you could, you're telling me that they got there by doing functional, uh, uh, if they got there with functional training. So how many of these dudes online that do all that functional training only squat 200? Right. <laughs> right. And and then even then they do it and it's it's not it doesn't even look great. Yeah, you know? it's terrible. It's not so like terrible. it's not like this this magnificent perfect squat, you know. So yeah, I, I mean you know, I, I think that there's a lot to unpack there. I think that I think that if you if you want to get better at something, you have to do it consistently. Like when you learn to ride right. when you learn to ride your bike. Your, your parents put training wheels on it and you put how many miles on that bike in the summer <laughs> every day you got on your bike and you rode and rode and rode and then eventually they took the training wheels off and guess what you continue to ride your bike every day all summer and you know even when school ended right and that's why that's why the saying is like 
like you never learn to forget to ride your bike or whatever. It's like, no, the saying is it's like riding a bike. Okay. It's like, yeah, okay. It is like riding a bike. Well, guess what? You got really good at that because you did it every single day. Yes. Like it was a job. Yes. And so if you want to get really good at insert verb here, do it often and do it well. And, and, and you'll get better at it, right? You want to get better. And too many coaches or the athletes train it as some bore. Yes. Like, but they don't know that. I mean, you. there's so many kids that are going to get scouted for a D1 scholarship or go to the pro just because they jump high. I mean, there's countless players right now in the NBA that can't dribble with their other hand, can't shoot a jump shot, and they can only dunk. But the, the coaches that don't know how to teach that, they're like, yeah, we can teach them how to dribble and shoot later. Let's grab him because he can play some defense because he's just faster than everybody. Like, you can tell that player to go steal that ball. you got to get to that position. But if he's not fast enough, he's just not going to be able to get to yep. that position. You know? So players got to treat proper weight room, you know, not just using a damn speed ladder. Oh, my God. Like, this is <laughs> – we, we could do 30 minutes of how disgusting that uh, equipment is. Oh if, not in, let me not even say equipment. Just like <laughs> you, might have to, you might have to make this a two-part series. But it's like <laughs> you can't even say it's equipment, man. It's – oh. Yeah. It's like you want to warm up? Okay, good. Go tap your feet. Like, I, I, dude, I don't – oh, my God. It's just not – it's not for me. I remember – It's uh, not for me. Louis, Louis Sevensy said – if the speed ladder did anything, then every piano player would be to throw a fastball. You're training the very end part of, of whatever they're doing. Yes. So doing the ladder, there's no hip extensions, nothing. All you're doing is watching very, very already fast athletes make that that exercise look explosive. But that's not what got them there in the first place. Well, yeah. my favorite or my fa- my favorite thing that I ever get to see are, is always on Twitter when I am scrolling through Twitter and I see the guys you know run through the ladder and run over some hurdles, and turn around and catch a football with one hand. Yes, and I, and oh, I, my and God. Always, and I always <laughs> want to comment, and I always want to say, wow, nice one hand to catch. Like, because that's the most impressive piece of that. The fact, the fact, the, oh, he's so fast. And it's like, well, that was a 10-second video, and he covered 15 yards. I can cover more than 15 yards in 10 seconds. Yeah, we don't know how long his 40 is or how fast yeah. he went down that 100 yeah. yards. It... He just did little chopping feet. Yeah, and then and then my favorite ones are the ones, so you see those and the people are serious about it because you got these speed coaches, right? Oh, I'm a speed coach. No, you're not. You're a slow coach, okay? But, like, you get these speed coaches that post this, and then you get guys that make the videos afterwards, and they're like like the, you know, now that TikTok's popular or whatever, it's like the yeah, – yeah. If NFL receivers ran routes like they practiced, and like they're like doing all these like chop steps, whatever, and then they like yeah, they yeah, like yeah. jump over a hurdle, and then they like jump and do like a three sixty and catch a football, and I'm like, exactly, they don't they don't do that in game, right? It's just yeah. To me, it's like this, right? It's like okay, if I'm if I'm doing a speed and agility ladder, I'm using it as a warm up to increase our ground contacts. If we're going, if we're transitioning from a certain season, you know, off season to preseason to in season to you know to postseason to whatever, right? Right. To me, if it's like we're trying to increase our ground contacts, that's what we're doing. And it's like, okay, right. we could also jump rope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I every day that we're gonna do every day that we're gonna do our French contrast sets, I will have my athletes do uh, either bilateral or unilateral line hops. And it's as simple as single leg or double leg jumps over a line, front to back, side to side, 10 each go. 
Okay, so if we're doing this, but it also involves some hip extension. It's not damaging their run because no. I know the the ladder can do, yes. damage actual running yes. technique even more. So it's like you're not really getting anything from a technique nope. or strength. Nope. You know, and once you learn how to do it, it's not challenging. You know, the only the only thing that I actually find beneficial that sometimes I see, or the only piece of equipment that I'll see in some of those videos are the wickets. I yeah, I yes, don't yes, mind. Yes, yes. I don't mind, and I am not a sprint coach, right? I think there's a right. fine line. Like I'm a like, I think that we can work on sprint. I think there are certain things that we can work on sprinting, but like I don't work with sprinters. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, if we're using wickets and we're trying to practice that um piston step where you're accelerating and your chest is forward and then as you get taller the stride length increases and you start to cycle over right so you go from an a skip to a b skip as an example right if we increase those and we're trying to get our athletes to understand how the stride lengths should look and feel and we instead of talking yes and we use those and we use those wickets we do little wicket drills then I understand why we use that, that equipment. But you cannot tell me that I need to have speed and agility ladders. You can't. I can't. I, I, can't, I just can't wrap my head around using it. You know, I just, I just can't. So. <sighs> oh, uh, so, so that's, that's everything, man. Um, so just tell everybody where they can reach you if they have questions or they want to follow you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, and everything. Yep. So, uh, if you, if you want to reach out to me, best place is social media. I do have a Twitter, I guess. I don't know. I, I only follow strength coaches and I like watch like some, because sometimes people post stuff on Twitter and they don't post stuff on Instagram. So that's really the purpose of that. Um, so I have a Twitter and the handle for both is coach cam 10, I think, but like, my Instagram is where I'll post most of my content, um, both personal and, uh, um, what my athletes do. And I, and the reason I do that is because the athletes like to see themselves on videos, you know? And so, um, but you know, if you have questions or whatever, you want to reach out or connect or, you know, whatever that is, just reach out, DM me and, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hook it up. All right, man, this has been great. We're going to, have to do it again because it's absolutely we may have to do a, a part two with everything we gotta we gotta we gotta thrown out <laughs> we gotta do uh we gotta do a court sports specific one i felt like i i, I talked too much about the throwing sports out here so <laughs> uh, all right man i really appreciate you uh coming on and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. awesome thanks man have a good night i appreciate it <laughs> you too so that is the conclusion of this episode I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Probably going to have Cameron on again, hopefully. Because uh, we got a, we started getting on another topic of the, the do's and do-nots of training. And it's like we already want to do a second episode. So we'll definitely have to have him on the podcast again. Uh, tune in next week. Hopefully I'm going to have another very, very exciting guest on and remember stay clean peace